0: Hey everybody Kyvon Williams here and we have another session of passing notes and passing notes is more when uh, I'm not just trying to make fun or take things not so seriously uh, this is the interactions I have with you guys when you've emailed me and you know had questions comments or concerns uh, about me or about the show so uh, let's get into it Hey Kyvon you said in your hometown of Louisville Kentucky. There's been 500 murders since 2000. I'm from Memphis. Last year we had 175 alone. I mean, so in the grand scheme of things, is that really a lot? Um, first off, murder is murder. Okay? And the sad thing about it is most people who get murdered in this country look like me my sons, my daughter, my nephews your dad, your wife. You know what I mean? And uh, it's crazy. I don't know what to do about the problem. But, uh, excuse me, actually, I misspoke when I said 500 murders since 2000. I meant to say 500 murders since 2020. Yeah. And that's, that's nothing to be proud of. It's not like my city's harder than your city. I know shit like that. It's just we we gotta do something. When I say we, I mean my generation. I mean, 45 to 28. Like we we need to do something. Like we need to correct this behavior because I kind of feel like society as a whole, it's like it's over sexualized and glamorized violence too much. But being from the Black community. You know what I mean? I And shout out to, you know, every, everybody goes through shit, all right? But it's like, I feel at times the Black community doesn't address the elephant in the room. You know what I mean? Like, we could talk about police brutality. We could talk about, you know, the man oppressing us and shit like that. But we're killing each other at a higher rate than anybody else. Maybe it's self-hate, lack of love. You know, I always go back to, like, the fathers not being in the homes. I think we really need to put a mirror up to ourselves to see what the fuck is going on. But, uh, again, I'm not trying to be, like, an optimist or whatever or, a, a, you know, a pie-in-the-sky sort of person, but I've always felt one murder is too many. But I also understand that murder happens sometimes I'm quite sure in our darkest thoughts all of us have contemplated murder or hurting somebody on some level you know what I mean but some people just can't control that impulse and I think nowadays more people are uh more more people don't value life is what I'm trying to get at excuse me I I had a little bit too much of uh, the wedding cake but uh my my mind's still clear i'm still here for passing notes but it's just like it it has to stop at some point but it has to stop with us you know what i mean And yeah police do kill black people for doing nothing at all you just be walking down the street so-called looking suspicious and get killed (coughs) excuse me get killed by a police officer and everybody's like oh what did he do Why'd that cop kill him? What about that kid who was walking to school who got killed in Chicago? You know what I mean? What about that young girl who got abducted for the sex trade and now she got a pimp that beats on her every night? You know, I think we need to come together and solve our own problems before we try to point fingers at the infractions they have against us. You know what I mean? And I, I got four questions uh, for for this passing notes. The next one. Kyvon, you said you lost a few good people in your life. If you could bring back anybody, who would it be? Oh, I think most people think that I would bring back my stepdad, but uh, I wouldn't, you know what I mean? Like let him rest in peace or be whatever, be in whatever realm he's in right now. And, Reaping the rewards and benefits or even consequences of what this life led him in the afterlife. If I could bring back one person, and you know, normally I change people's names, but this is nothing to play with. If I could bring back one person, I would bring back Gabriel Carter. And uh, he was the first friend, excuse me, he was the first friend that I made in Tennessee good dude good country dude uh he was from alabama and uh (laughs) we we used to crack jokes at work you know what i mean on our little breaks and stuff and we'd have like debates about the best rapper alive best actor you know we we talked to each other about like woman problems and stuff like that and how to be better fathers and unjust laws and stuff like that and you know how Kentucky and Alabama, are cousins, we just separated by Tennessee. And uh, he was a good dude. Man. He, he, he's one of the few people that I've met in my life. Because to be in my circle, you got to be about something. And I remember when I first moved down here, it's a different culture in Nashville. And I'm not going to say everybody is like this because I haven't met everybody. But it's like a lot of people have ulterior motives. This cat, man, like, he was just straight up and down like six o'clock. And uh, I remember one time uh, we was working. We was at the, uh, I had to work in a factory. Remember I told you when I first moved in, I had to work in factories and shit like that. And uh, Amber and I had had some furniture. I didn't like the furniture because the furniture was left over from her ex fiance who died and all this bullshit. And uh, her pops, he was like, well, hey Kai, you know, uh, I got this furniture over here. You know, me and the wife, we're about to redo the living room. Uh, How about you come over here and get this? So I talked to Amber about it. She wasn't too happy, but she wasn't willing to help or whatever. I was like, well, hey, how about if I get the furniture? We could take this old shit out and move this newer, nicer shit in. So reluctantly, she agreed, thinking I didn't have anybody to help me. So I remember I was talking to Gabe at lunch one day, and he was like, yeah, man, shit, I'll help you. And here's the thing, like, I didn't offer him any money or anything at first, but after he just said, yeah, sure, I'll help you. I was like, brother, I give you $50 or something like that. And he's like, all right, man, cool, cool. So it comes the day for us to get the furniture. And that night before, because we used to work 12-hour shifts on the weekends, and uh, we had to pick up the furniture on a Sunday. But Saturday night, man, they they worked us like dogs. I mean, we was dog tired. Gabe is normally a very jovial, happy person, cracking jokes and making faces. And just whenever he would come into the room, it was like, it was lighter. It, It was a happier room. You know what I mean? With my experience with this guy. So... This day, they was working just like dogs. So I didn't bring it up. I'm like, fuck, I'm going to move this furniture on my own. So he came to me like the last break before, you know, we got off. He's like, we still got that furniture to move later on, right? After we get off work. I was like, yeah, we do. He was like, well, brother, just give me a couple of hours of sleep. You know, I- I'll be able to handle it. And you know how when someone's doing a favor for you, you're on their time. So I get game up. You know, we get off at 7. I get game at like 10, 30, 11 o'clock. We don't get to move the furniture till 1. And moving the furniture from like pretty much Goodlettsville to where we lived in Madison at the time, it was a bit of a stretch. We had to get the furniture, put it on. It wasn't enough to get all the furniture, so we had to do two trips. Long story short, we didn't get done with moving that shit to like damn near 4.35 o'clock. So, uh, we move it, and mind you, we had to be at work at seven that day, so this brother's working on three hours of sleep as well as I am. So, I'm like, hey, well, here's the money. He's like, man, I don't need that money. Just, uh, just give me something to eat, we'll call it Square. I'm like, for real? He's like, yeah, man, it's cool. So, like, uh, I remember I was telling a story about Amber, and you know, I always do voices and stuff, but, uh, Game did a voice for Amber. And it was like... No, you shut the fucking front door. And it was just hilarious. Because that was exactly as the voice was in my mind. And... Uh, I miss them. You, you miss the good people that come in your life. You know, Game's been gone for two years now. And it, it's funny how God works. I remember when I was going through a whole bunch of stuff with Amber over Rooster, one of the court dates happened to fall two days after his birthday. And uh, I was able to get my 50-50 custody of Rooster. And this is during COVID. So it was like, there was like really nobody inside the courthouses and stuff. And there was all that weird plastic up and everybody had to wear a mask. It it was just very cold, you know? It was very, like, dystopian future-like. And I was just sitting on that bench alone, and Amber was with her friend May, and May is one of those white women who will be in the crowd, marching with the Black Lives Matter signs, right? But this, and y'all know how I feel about cussing, like when I'm referring to a woman as a certain thing, this bitch stood up there and lied on me. And that was, like, one of the biggest fucking daggers in my chest. And my lawyer's like, is that true? I'm like, hell no, that's not true. Do you know what I mean? And um, I heard him was sitting back on the bench, because I was like, there was nothing getting done, so they had us recess from court for a while, and I sat on the bench. My my lawyer's making phone calls, and I heard the voice of Gabe, and he was like, he used to call me Mocha or whatever. I called him Light Bright. He called me Mocha. And uh, there was another dude who was black as hell who worked with us. We called him Midnight. And I just heard that Alabama accent. Hey, Mocha, it's going to be all right, man. And, and you're going to get Rooster. It's cool. And then I went back in there, and I was able to get the custody of a Rooster. So if I could bring back anybody for like 24 hours, man, we... We we'd burn a few, we'd uh, go fishing. We would I definitely take him to a strip club, make sure he, you know, he got tripped up or something. Oh um, get, get some good hot chicken that he liked. <laughs> and uh just tell him he was a good dude. He was a good friend. And he will be missed. Rest in peace, Gabriel Carter. All right, so let's see. Uh what else we got here? Do you, dear Calvin? do you, you always say do you? Have you ever had any regrets in life doing you? Uh not really. I mean, I feel like life is for the living. You know what I mean? If you I always feel that people like to live their life and they be like, yeah man, no rules, I'm free. But they don't want to expect the ramifications of their actions or the repercussions you know what i mean like yeah i could go out here and bang a whole bunch of prostitutes but i can't get mad at the world if i get hiv you know what i mean i could go out here and toot a whole bunch of cocaine but i can't get mad at the world if i overdosed but people do and like they would like to blame everybody except for who's responsible for their decisions Which is them. And I hate that, you know, there's people of a certain age that just don't accept accountability for who they are and what they've done. They just, oh, well, when I was six, this happened to me. So now we're 36. I'm still holding on to that. Man, that shit is so toxic. It's so unhealthy. You need to get help. So. Uh, just i guess just to make the segment interesting um my brother deacon has been he he's been very scholarly like dude has like a dual master's in education and something else something about the show things like political science and uh just one of the smartest cats i know he he he's in the top five i wouldn't say he's one but he he's in the top five and you know we have a top five you can always debate who versus who versus what. And uh, he went to Moorhead State University. And it was my senior year in high school. And I'm doing everything but studying. You know what I mean? I've always been smart. Well, let me say, I've always been clever and witty, not really book smart, because you got to concentrate, and regurgitate information like, oh, what happened in 1772? Columbus crossed the ocean blue or whatever the hell it is for them to put that so-called history in your mind or whatever but it was it was all set up it was my senior year I knew that and Morehead State had very low very low admission standards like oh the ACT you only had to get like a 14 and I got like a 21 22 something like that and uh you just had to have like a 2.0 and at the time like i was on course to graduate on time i had like a 2.2 but being young and in love i start cutting classes i start skipping out on my studies so long story short uh my senior year i had to go to summer school so i was i was embarrassed but i went anyway and i was lying to people about graduating on time and all this stuff so uh, I went to Moorhead State I went up to Moorhead State and uh, to graduate in 2001 in Kentucky you had to have 21 credits I had 20 and a half there was a correspondence book that I didn't fucking finish just being a dumbass and, and being lazy but Delvin had it all set up like the young woman who showed me around the campus or whatever, beautiful, like, and they spoke so highly of Deacon or whatever. I think I slipped up and said his real name, but they spoke up so highly of Deacon and was like, oh, your brother is this and he's this and, you know, blah, zay, blah. And I'm like, really? Well, yeah, he's kind of a dork, but that's my brother. I love him and he loves Star Wars. That's pretty much what I know about him. It was like, yeah, he was on the dean's list X amount of times and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it was just like, well, damn, my brother is somebody. But I didn't do what I needed to do to uh, get into the college, even though it was easy to get in there. And they rolled out the carpet for me to walk in. My goofy ass still didn't do what I had to do, and I ended up getting my GED instead. And so... I guess, for me, it's not really a regret because, you know, I'm going to live my life to the best of my ability and have fun because once that box is closed or once you're on some family member's mantle, that's it, it's over. But it was more so that Deacon seen all this potential in me, you know what I mean, that he uh, he knew that his little brother could accomplish great things. And it was just before I could accomplish those great things at a young age, I accomplished them later in life. Well, not great things, but good things. I accomplished them later in life. But, uh, yeah, I, I guess that would kind of be a regret. So, yeah. All right. Last one. Dear Kai Vant, I really like the Kai versus Amber episode. You've been saying that you're gonna do the next three. When are they gonna come out? Uh, well, <laughs> I'm glad you're invested in it. It's uh, it's a touchy subject. Like I, I, I kind of touched on it uh, on her actually. Not like that pause. I, I touched on the subject of. Domestic violence with the whole Tory Lanes and Meg Thee Stallion thing, and it brought up like a whole bunch of thoughts and feelings. You know what I mean? It was like, I can't believe somebody did this bullshit to me. But and y'all all know that Amber is Rooster's mom. So. <coughs> Excuse me. It's like, why would somebody do that to me? But also. I have to respect my son on a level to where it's my truth and I'm doing my best to be unbiased to tell you everything that happened because I was speaking to AR the other day and she was telling me about something that she had went through and I was like, just remember, no matter how good you tried to treat somebody in their book, they can still play you out to be a villain. And that's why it's always... Yes side, third side, and the undeniable truth. So I don't want it to seem like I'm slandering this woman or saying bad things about this person because I have the paperwork to back it up. But some shit don't need to be spoken on. So it's like, what what should I really talk about that I'm comfortable enough talking about? Um, I mean, what it came down to was, like, looking back on it now, she was a woman who didn't fix her trauma. I was going through something. I was repairing my trauma. And as I was trying to fix myself, I-, I felt that she wasn't trying to work on herself. And she knew that she was losing me. And with every step I tried to get out of that deep, dark uh, pit of depression and self-loathing, she would try to pull me back. And when that wasn't working, she went to more drastic actions. And, uh, I mean, I, I think that's that. I mean, the the red flags was there. But I was in a spot in my life like... I, I just went through a divorce with Camille's mom. You know what I mean? Like, I, I had divorced my best friend. And if I wasn't good enough for her, maybe I'm not good enough for anybody. And then I'm talking to this woman, and she's like, well, hell, you know, my fiancé died and i loved him more than almost anything so i'm thinking hey these are two people that really could use some loving so let me be the best version of myself and as i was getting better it's like she was getting worse and uh but the thing about that that i've learned is you can't bring that into the next relationship like uh, usher has a song called moving mountains and with that song I could totally relate because there was times in the relationship I had with Amber, she'll talk about this, that, and the third. I'm like, I didn't do that. I wouldn't do that. I'm not the type of person to do that. But she would still grade me off of what the last motherfucker did, or what this person was trying to do. And it was like, yeah, you you definitely haven't worked doing it. said again, I, I've said it a thousand times. A lot of people aren't looking for love. They're looking for help. You know, it's just like a homosexual or a Smeagol rat or a booger wolf. You know what I mean? You're only loved as long as you can provide. So what I was providing for her, not trying to make it like I'm just some Adonis or some Michael B. Jordan. I'm not that, but I am a decent looking guy. So you went from this one guy who passed away, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful or nothing like that, but I was a step up financially, uh, looks-wise, you know what I mean, career-wise. And it was just like you stepped up. And, you know, we go to events together, arm in arm. Like I'm not trying to sell myself short, but I'm a nice accessory when I dress myself up. So it was more so that she was trying to use me as a piece in her life instead of trying to have me bring peace to her life or be an important piece of her life. You know what I mean? So, uh, <laughs> coming soon, maybe next week. But before the uh, before the year's up, I can go ahead and do episode two and uh, we'll go from there. So, that's all I got for now. Y'all, y'all know I'm, I'm a little bit stopped up because... The winter vortex is here. So, uh, I'm sorry. The polar vortex is here. So it's like three degrees outside right now. And uh, I got the the space heaters going on. So my house is like really humid. And the humidity, like it causes my sinuses to go crazy. But uh, that's all I got for now. But something I always got with me is the knowledge of knowing that if you put God first, you'll never be last. Peace.